like to invite you to open them to the book of Genesis chapter 30 as we continue going through the Bible. Again, line upon line, precept upon precept, that's the way the Bible says we're supposed to be taught God's word, not my favorite topics or what's, uh, what's in vogue of the day, but actually my people perish, the Bible says, for lack of knowledge of his word. So that's why we go through his entire, the entirety of the Bible. Now, a couple of things going on. We all know that uh, we are on the roller coaster ride to the coming of the Lord. Uh, this past week, Governor Newsom, California, signed into law. Pedophilia is okay. That's right, with minors. Whoa. Yeah, that's right. Signed a law saying that sodomy is okay with uh, people 10 years less your age. So in other words, you can uh, be involved if you're uh, 20 years old with somebody 10 years old. And instead of this being appalling and uh, put down immediately, the California State Assembly approved it. And Governor Newsom, yes, the governor that closes down churches but allows riots. He is the one that signed it into law. So I believe, friends, we are very close to the Lord coming and taking us home. And that's really what we want to be about, really, as we think. Work for the night is coming when no one can work. We need to be aware of the time that we're in. And when you see that abortion is widespread, over 60 million babies aborted, and if we don't kill them in the womb, then we're going to really mess them up by the time they... Get out of high school. And this is one of the great problems that we find. God loves kids. And because God loves kids, he doesn't take kindly to them being abused, trafficked, or taken advantage of, even if the law allows it. And this is one of the great problems that we find right now in the world. You know, it's funny. The Bible says, in the days of Noah were, Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 24, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. They were eating, drinking, marrying, and given in marriage. Scott. Oh, uh, and so eating, drinking, marrying, given in marriage. Uh, and one of the other things was lawlessness. And we find that widespread today in our society. Well, I got some good news from God's word this morning. And following the service, we have time for fellowship. We have uh, tacos for everybody. It's going to be a good time. You say, but I'm new here. I didn't bring anything. It's not a potluck. It's just something we do to get together, to meet new friends, people you're going to spend eternity with, of course, in the body of Christ. If you have your Bible, again, going to Genesis chapter 30, we left off at verse 24 last week. We're going to go to verse 25 this week. And we remember the first part of Genesis 30 is where Joseph was, uh, he had his wife that he wanted, Rachel, which he worked seven years for, only to find out he was double-crossed by her father-in-law and gave him Leah instead. Now, she wasn't evidently as good-looking. The Bible said she had weak eyes. We don't know what that means, but for some reason, in the morning, when he woke up, after the, the, uh, the marriage, he goes, ah! And he ends up, and so he goes to Laban and says, what is this? You've double-crossed me. And he goes, well, in our country, it's our custom. The older daughter must be married first. So I gave you her first. And so for seven more years, he worked for his wife, Rachel. So they have, so far, they're up to their 10th son. They've been busy. They, uh, he's had uh, sons with Rachel and Leah. They're handmaidens. This guy was a busy boy. 
Well, it comes to, as we get to verse 25, we come into some new ground. Let's pray. Father, as we read your word today, may these words come alive. May it not just be ink on paper, but as your Holy Spirit inspired these writings, so God, may you inspire us today to understand and know more about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said in the Gospels, he said, search the scriptures, in them you think you have eternal life, but they are which testify of me. In other words, look for Jesus all the way through when you read the Old Testament, because he's there. Well, you're going to see picture types all the way through, whether Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and a fourth in the fiery furnace, like unto the Son of Man, Son of God, um, or whether you see it here today, we're going to be looking and looking for Jesus. And so it says... It came to pass when Rachel had borne Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. Interesting that even though Joseph knew, or excuse me, Jacob knew that he was living in this faraway land with his father-in-law, we know that he still knew his homeland was Canaan. And that's where he wanted to go back to. Something interesting here as well. And it just notes it here. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph. Joseph is a Christ type as well as Jacob is in the Old Testament. We know that Jacob had many sons. Remember back in Sunday school? Uh, father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. You got it, okay? Yes, my album's going on sale in the foyer right after church. Okay, just kidding. But the song, Abraham had many sons. And we know that Jacob had many sons. Jesus Christ, because of what he did for us on the cross, we are now the sons of God as well. That's good news. And again, I always want to look for Jesus. Now notice something else here. It came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph. When Joseph, a Christ type, comes into his life, Jacob's life changes. I want to point this out. When Jesus Christ comes into your life, your life will change as well. He had 10 sons up to this point. Life was pretty much crazy. He was having a lot of kids, everything. But when Joseph came, things changed. Remember, when Jesus comes into your life, things change. I don't care what it's been like. You say, Mike, you don't understand. I've been in this rut for 20 years. I don't care about that rut. When Jesus comes in your life, things will change. It changed for Joseph as well. Came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my place, to my own country. Give me my wives, my children for whom I've served you and let me go for you know that my service, which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, please stay if I have found favor in your eyes. For I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Remember that where you go as a believer in Yahweh, where you go as a believer in Christ Jesus, you bring a blessing. I have seen many companies in my life because there was a few believers or a believer in that company, even though they were doing a lot of things wrong. But when that Christian left that company, the company went broke. 
God will bless others around you because of you. Always remember, where you go, you bring a blessing. Isn't that good to know? That we represent Christ. Where Jesus went, he brought a blessing. He brought healing. He brought, he brought abundance. He brought love. Uh, he brought uh, um, a real relationship with Father in heaven rather than religion. Jesus changed where he went. You change, we change where we go as well. And so it says here, Give me my wives and children who I am served you. Served him a long time. Almost 20 years now, if you do the addition of the ages of the kids, how many kids he had, all these different things. He was with him for about 20 years. And so he had become wealthy. Laban had become wealthy. Now, a couple of things here. He said... Uh, for I have, in verse 27, I have learned by experience. This word learned by experience is actually, he's saying, I have learned by divination with my gods that you are the reason that I've been blessed. It's weird that Laban was into weird stuff, false foreign gods, occultic practices. I've learned by literally divination that you are the reason I'm blessed. Isn't that weird to know? That even the underworld knows that where you go, you bring a blessing. I think it's important. Well, now he says, Jacob said to him, you know that I've served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little. He's saying, look, Laban, before I came to you, you're on welfare, dude. No, he didn't say that. But he said, look, before I came to you, you were little. You weren't rich. But notice he says, what you had before I came was little, but now increase to great amount. This word in the Hebrew means abundantly wealthy. This is uh, uh, what the truth is. Again, I think we need to see ourselves the way God sees us, not the way oftentimes we see ourselves or the way we think the world sees us. That you belong to God. You represent God where you go. The New Testament says we are his ambassadors. You represent heaven. Before we're a Christian, we represent ourselves, which really is nothing. We're little. But when you become a Christian, God comes into your life. You represent the kingdom of heaven. And where you go, you bring a little piece of heaven with you. At least we should. It's embarrassing sometimes, I know, in my own life, where I think that maybe I brought a little bit of hell. <laughs> you, you go there and you're, you know, you know acid mouth, and you, you wish you wouldn't say the things you did or behave the way you did. Somebody cut you off on the road, which is pretty easy in this town. Somebody told me the next county over, you know, the, they used to have the light flashers up on the, the, up on the steering wheel. They made him take that off and put it back on on the floor because a lot of people were getting in wrecks when they were trying to lift their foot up to click the little thing on the lever. Just kidding. They signal left, turn right. You wonder when they get in their car, do they really have a destination or they're just driving and they go, oh, that's where I want to go. Across four lanes of traffic. Yeah, I know that. And I think, God, I'm supposed to bring an element of heaven into this world and sometimes I say a lot of prayers saying, God, forgive me when I haven't done the way I should go. Well, he says here, 
what you had before I came was little. God will bless others because of you. Now remember something. So much of today's teaching in the church is that I'm a king's kid, it's all about me, and I want to be blessed. That's not really the way we find it in Scripture. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. That's what we want to be about. Here's why. When you represent heaven because you're a Christian, God loves you. You bring a blessing to people around you. You, by nature, because of a new nature that you got when Jesus said in John 3, he said, marvel not to Nicodemus, you must be born again. That born again experience, you bring a blessing into people's lives. Now again, remember that as God uses you to bless others, you will be blessed. We got it backwards in the church, friends. Me first, God. And then if there's any left over, I'll splash a little bit on you. No, that's not what God says. God says, bless others. Seek first the kingdom of God and what? All the other things will be added unto you. But as a Christian, sometimes I want to say, seek my kingdom first and all the other things, well, we'll get to it when we get to it. That's not the way God works. You are a representative of Jesus Christ. See, this is why I believe the devil works so hard to cause you to forget that. Oftentimes, we go through things and we go, God, if you love me, why did this happen? Only for God to say, because I'm going to bless you even more. But God, I don't see how you can bless me in the midst of this crisis that I find my life in. God says, I'm bigger than the crisis in your life. How else could God show us that he's bigger than the things wrong in our life, that when the Bible says to give thanks in all things, for this is the will of Christ Jesus concerning you. How can I say that unless I truly have it been proven to me? Talked a lot about this. It's an ongoing thing, I think, with all of us. God, thank you that you got me through that. But will you get me through the next thing that I go through? It's funny, we can trust God with our place in heaven in eternity someday but sometimes we have a real faith lapse in just day-to-day issues isn't it true so God wants us to conform into his image that we are here not on our behalf otherwise we'd have been raptured the minute we accepted Christ we are here to be a blessing to others And as we're a blessing to others, God blesses us. It's impossible. You can't give what you don't have. But the problem is, faith says, well, God, when I get a big fat wad, then I'll share it. God says, that's not faith. You share what you have, I'll give you more. The way it works. Isn't it weird that in order for us, I I always use this illustration because it still amazes me when I go in the stores and I go into the, I I like ice cream. I do. It's probably not good for you. It gives you the bubble in the middle, you know. But I like it. But you look at what they offer now. They have sorbet. They have imitation ice milk. Now, I know what ice milk is. Because that's kind of a cheap replacement for ice cream. But then they have imitation ice milk. What is that? It's like fiberglass. I don't know. 
But the thing is, is that, is that when we look at this, God doesn't want to give us the, the, the artificially wants to give us the real things. But I have found in my life, I can be holding so much imitation ice milk. God says, lay it down. And I go, no, I, I don't really like this, but I'm going to hold on to it. God says, but I can't give you the real thing if you're holding on to the fake. So I say, okay, and we surrender in the arms of God, and God then blesses us. That's the way it works. Now, what I'm saying and sharing here is we go back to the very principles of who God is. Not who we are, I'm a king kid, I deserve Erico and tinted glass, but that who God is and how God works in people's lives. Now, notice he says... What you had before I came was little, and now it's increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now when shall I also provide for my own house? So he said, what do you want? What what shall I give you? Laban said to Jacob. And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. Oh, now that's weird. Does anybody notice this is weird? You go to your boss, you say, I'm going to leave. And the boss says, no, no, you're one of my best employees. I don't want you to leave. What can I give you? And he goes, I don't really want anything. Well, this kid didn't learn much about basic economics. Or did he? One of the things you'll remember, return of the slaughter of the kings. We remember when he met the king of Sodom. He said, you take the gold, I'll take the people. And Abraham said, no, I want the people, you keep the gold, lest anyone would say, you made me rich. Isn't that weird? The source of your income, the source of your wealth is not money, but it's God. Now, now again, when we, we look at this, we, we get this mixed up because it's so convoluted, even within the church today. Because it's seek, my, we're going to seek my kingdom come, my will be done. No, 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 no. So what do, you, what do we find here? He said, what shall I give you? And he said, you shall give me nothing or give me anything. But if you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. In other words, I'll stay on if you'll do this one thing. I don't want money. I just want to make a deal with you on the flocks. He said, let me pass through the flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep, all the brown ones among the lambs, all the spotted and speckled among the goats. These will be my wages. Huh. You go, you know, if you read the Bible fast, you miss a lot of things, don't you? Isn't it weird that Jacob is a type of Christ, son of Abraham, and what does he want? He said, all the spotted ones, all the ringed ones, all the miscolored ones, all the misfits, all the ones that nobody else wants, I want. Isn't that good news? Have you felt like a spotted one sometimes? Have you felt a little bit like one that no one else wants? 
The ones that nobody else wanted were the first ones to get butchered. And yet, Jacob said, you keep all the pretty ones. I'll take all the ugly ones. Oh, friends, that's your Lord, man. God says, come unto me, all your labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Wow. I looked at this and about broken into tears. You know, I never read that in any commentary. I was just reading and the Lord just kind of revealed that to me. God wants the spotted ones. God wants the ones that nobody else wants. I remember back in the Jesus movement in the late 60s, early 70s, and all the hippies were running around and, you know, they not only had flowers in their hair, they had lice in their hair and everything else. I know, I was there. And I remember that nobody wanted them. Nobody wanted them because they were spotted. They were spotted by the world. No one wanted them. And we remember the Jesus revolution happened and it, and it, and it had such an effect that it even changed the lyrics in the songs on secular radio. And some of you people that are a little bit older, there was a song called Put Your Hand in the Hand of the Man, Still the Waters. You had Norman Greenbaum's little Jewish boy singing Spirit in the Sky. Yeah, theologically, yeah, they were off somewhat. You had even the Beatles singing My Sweet Lord, even though they were singing about Hare Krishna. But there was a spiritual revival because Jesus wanted the spotted ones, the ones no one else wants. Do you know how many people you and me come in contact with every day that feel like they're a spotted one? No one else wants me. And that's the one that, if you'll notice, these are the ones that Jacob specifically went through and selected. I want that one. That one's spotted. I want that one. That one's discolored. I want that one. Now, why was that important? Well, if you go to the New Testament. The Bible said that Jesus was the Paschal Lamb to take away the sins of the world, and he was without spot or blemish. Jesus is the unspotted one. We're the spotted ones. By the way, when you look at brothers and sisters around you sometimes and you see their spots, don't get too offended. There by the grace of God go I, go you. So we want to be careful of that. Let me pass through your flock today, removing all the speckled, all the spotted sheep, all the brown ones among the lambs. Lambs are supposed to be white. All the spotted and speckled among the goats, these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. When the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that is not speckled, and spotted among the goats, the brown among the lambs, will be considered stolen if it is with me. He said, look, if you come over to my place and you see a bunch of really good-looking sheep and goats and cows, I ripped them off. That's how sure he was that he was going to stay with the spotted ones. Friends, I'll tell you, Jesus stays with the spotted ones. I like that. Because I realize I need to be cleansed. You know, the Bible says he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. How many people know that verse? 
He's not coming, he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. I found two things about spots. I get spots on my clothes from sloppy eating habits. I think Italian food is a prerequisite for getting spots on your clothes. It kind of stains too. Have you noticed that? I've also noticed wrinkles in my garments are usually caused by me setting on them, not walking in them. Sloppy eating habits and setting around will cause spots and wrinkles in your garment. My righteousness will answer for me in time to come. He goes, look, I'll just take all the spotted stuff everybody doesn't want. I guess he was in the salvage business. He was a recycler. But he said, everything that is not beautiful, I will take. Laban said to him, oh, that it was according to your word. He didn't believe him. He didn't believe that he would really take all the ugly ducklings and do something great with them. So he removed that day the male goats, the female goats, that were spotted and speckled, every one that had some white in it, all the brown ones among the lambs, gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put the three days journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now let's get this, what's going on. They went through, and they went through the flocks. Ugly, 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 yours, 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 yours. Who does he appoint to take care of the ugly ducklings? Laban's other sons. Not, not, so they're taking care of that. But Jacob's sons are too young. He lets Laban's gang take care of Joseph's stuff, and Joseph takes care of Laban's things. Okay? Get that? He put three days' journey between him between himself and Jacob, for Jacob fed the rest of the flocks. Three days' journey, so there would be nobody ripping anybody off. You'd take a three-day journey to rip off a cow or something like that, okay? Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and almond and chestnut trees, peeled white strips in them, exposed them white, which was the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs, where the flocks came to drink, so they would conceive, the word in the Hebrew here is get hot, you can figure that out, when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted offspring. Wow, this is weird. I don't know what he knew about husbandry that caused knowing that if he put these particular trees in front, it would produce a goofy, a goofy offspring. But he did. But if you go back to the first part of this chapter, remember 
they had an issue with the mandrakes. Now, if you don't remember what that was, they were called love apples. It was some kind of an aphrodisiac that, that the, the ladies got trying to get pregnant with Jacob and all those kinds of crazy things going on. So they knew a lot about husbandry, but they also knew a lot about natural herbs, okay? And so he put the, and he stripped this stuff down, he put it, and for some reason, it caused them to uh, go into heat, and, 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 and they started having these calves and stuff, and, and offspring, and, but they were spotted. Now, people have asked the question, how did that do that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe God just blessed him that way. I don't know. I know God has a ways of blessing you beyond your ability to know. I, I, I've seen God do things in amazing, amazing ways in my life. Drilled a well one time, and the guy that was drilling the well says, you need to go get a great big eight-inch valve uh, to mount on this wellhead because uh, you're going to have to have a way to shut this water off. And I said, well, how much are they? He goes, they're $3,000. And I said, $3,000? I mean, I didn't have that kind of money. This was 25 years ago, and I'm going, I don't have that kind of money. And, and, and my dad said, Let, let's go for a ride. So we went down to Buell, and we're driving down, and we turned on the old road, and we were going down this road, and here's a guy with a whole field of junk. And so we stopped and looked, and while we were there, I said, by the way, you don't have any big shutoff valves, do you? And he says, I got some brand new ones. And I said, where? And he showed me, and they still had the tags, and it said United States government. He got a lot of stuff from, from government surplus, and they were laying there, and it was laying right there. And I said, how much do you want for that? And he said, 15 bucks. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I said, you wouldn't happen to have the big flanges that bolt onto that that you weld onto the pipes? And he goes, yeah, I got a stack of those. I said, how much do you want for those? He says, a dollar a piece. I bought all he had, all eight of them, I think. The point is, in one deal, God can give you back more than you've ever given him. Drove down the road in Bullhead City. There's a pair of sunglasses laying in the road. I said, stop, get those. And he said, my friend says, you don't want those. Who knows what those are? I said, no, just stop. I'll get them and I'll throw them in the boat because everybody always forgets sunglasses in the boat. So he got him. He brings them in. They're a brand new pair of Oakley sunglasses. Not a scratch in them, just laying there. I put them on eBay and sold them for 150 bucks. I'm driving down the road in Bullhead again, and there's a wrench laying in the road. And I thought, oh, that's a pretty wrench. I got it. It was perfect. It was a special snap-on edition. I put it on eBay and sold it for $100. I go, God, how do you do this? It, because God's bigger than our financial issues. What I'm telling you is that if God can cause Jacob to put sticks in a watering trough and cause the animals to go into heat to bear multicolored offspring, which then technically, according to the deal, would then been his. That's what God did. So the flocks conceived, verse 39, 
Before the rods and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face towards the streak and all the brown in the flocks of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flock. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, that Jacob placed rods before their eyes of the livestock in the, in, in the gutters where they might drink, literally, and might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in, so the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Joseph. Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, camels and donkeys. Amazing. What's hard for God? What's hard for God today in your life? Nothing. First, we have to remember a couple of things. Spotted. God's bigger than the things you've done wrong. Always remember that. If he wasn't, he wouldn't be much of a God, would he? Because then God would only be picking the pretty ones, the ones that Laban got. But God picked us because he loves us. Not that there was anything good about us. It's just that Christ died to save sinners, which I am cheap, Paul said. I, I believe that, friends. I believe that God saved you. To remind you that where you go, a piece of heaven goes. And you shine that light. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Where you go, a little bit of heaven goes. And I believe the devil will throw your past at you. He'll try to say, well, you prayed and God didn't answer, so therefore God doesn't love you. He'll do whatever he can do to cause you to forget that you're a child of the king and where you go, people around you are blessed. And because of that, you will be blessed as well. Now remember, Jacob was still making Laban very wealthy by taking care of his flocks. But God took care of Jacob in the spotted and the striped ones. Remember, God loves us in spite of our spots, in spite of our stripes. You see, Laban recognized he had a really good employee in Jacob. He did. He said, when I came, you didn't have anything. Now look how rich you are. Even Jacob noticed that. And Laban admitted it as well. And somebody said one time, the most expensive thing you will ever hire is a cheap employee. I remember as talking to one of my friends. In fact, he helped spray the roof in here when we were building the building. And I came to him and I said, Dave, how you been? Ran into him in a store and he says, ah, not so good. And I said, what's wrong? I can't find any good help. And I said, well, why is that? And he goes, well, if they work, they won't think. If they think, they won't work. He says, if they can work and think, they quit me and start their own business. Well, you know, that's kind of sometimes the way it is. To find a good employee. If you're an employer, take care of your employees. If you're an employee, remember, you're there to bless them. And in turn, God seeing that will bless you. That's just the way God works. Nothing escapes the eye of God. Nor our sins. 
And see, that's why the Bible says Christ Jesus died to save sinners. If you're a spotted and blemished one this morning, I want to invite you to accept Christ as your Savior today. Then we're going to have communion, and we're just going to see what God will do in your life. But God will wait until you invite him in. God will wait until Joseph was born, and then everything in Jacob's life changed. When Jesus comes into your life, everything will change. Some things will change immediate. Some things will change over a period of time. But guaranteed, it will change. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior and you're sick of living the way you've lived, the spotted life, we're going to pray right now and you can ask Christ to come into your life. If you're serious, pray this prayer with me and let's see what God will do. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I am sorry for the way I have lived my life. And I believe Jesus died on the cross for me and his blood covered my sins. So from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Make me the best I can be for you. I will serve you. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I'll have love for the lost and boldness in you. And thank you for loving me in Jesus' name. Amen. You prayed that welcome to God's family. If you don't have a Bible, I'll give you one. Come up and just tell me afterwards. We'll have a baptism.